Welcome to Ojibwe Stories, Gaganunidida. I'm Chris Harden. Our guests today are Edie Howes, the coordinator of American Indian Education for ISD 709 in Duluth, and Gordon Jourdain, the lead teacher of Misabekang, the Ojibwe Language Immersion Program at Lowell Elementary School. Edie Howes, Indigenous, Jaganashimong, Benesikwe, Indigenous, Ojibwe Mong. I'm officially the coordinator for Duluth Public Schools American Indian Education Program, as well as one of the original founders per se of Masabe Congo Jibwe Language Immersion Program. It's a district-wide program, so we provide opportunities for all American Indian students within Duluth Public Schools. And so Masabe Kong is um, one amazing strategy that came about um, through immersion opportunities as well as um, a strategy to begin to close the achievement gap amongst American Indian students. <laughs> Gordon Jordan, Ujibwe immersion teacher from Isapikong, doctoral candidate at the University of Minnesota Duluth. And, of course, a, a long-term guest on Ojibwe Stories. So. Yes. How long has the Ojibwe language immersion program been active at Lowell School? Well, the official name is the Masabe Kong Ojibwe language immersion program, and we've started in the fall of 2014 with the kindergarten class, and we've grown a grade since. It started at, at kindergarten, so then each year you're adding a grade as you move up and more kids come in from below. Is that how that works? So yes, that's exactly how it works. Does it plan to then grow all the way up to the fifth grade level? or Our long-term plan is to, well, when we originally started, um, was to do a K-5 Ojibwe immersion program, and we've had small conversations regarding what will happen after kids move on to 6th, 7th, and 8th, and so forth. Is it something that you would hope then would would continue to be something they would use throughout their lives after 5th grade? They wouldn't just let it drop at that point or let it fade, but it's something that they continue to integrate into their daily lives, not just uh, not just in the school setting. That is exactly our hope, um, and that kind of leads into um, having the parents engaged and involved in um, the learning process of the language. And so this year is the year that we're, we've decided to um, focus a little bit of energy on sharing and teaching some of the language for the parents and families at home that don't necessarily have access to it. Mm -hmm. And so this is the year that we've added um, some language components or family um, components for language learning, specifically for our parents, in order for them to kind of keep it going and understand the significance and um, greatness of our language. So parents do have a role outside of the classroom to help keep them using that language once they go home for the day. Do parents have some techniques, some ideas, some ways that you've encouraged them to continue to use the language outside of the classroom? Uh, we can look at that in uh, a couple different ways. Uh, when we first started the immersion program, we really wanted to make sure that our parents understood that the language is happening in the classroom. And part of their role was to make sure that English is continuing outside of the classroom because they're getting Ojibwe in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And as the students are getting older and as they're learning more of the language, that's where the parents are asking more, well, 
sometimes we don't know what our children are talking about or what they're saying. And so <laughs> we kind of want to know some basic phrases um, so we can have those conversations at home with our with our children. And so, like I said, this is the year that we've really integrated that. Um, but we also provide um, resources and opportunities, you know, within the community or surrounding area for language tables that some of our parents do access. Mm. And so, you know, that's nice. And then I do know that some of our parents get together outside of school on their own, working on language things together to kind of, um, they kind of help and mentor each other through that process. So um, being that we are in a school system that educates K-12 or pre-K-12, that's, you know, our primary focus is making sure that we provide an immersion opportunity for our students. But we also understand that there are parents out there that may not have access or may not know the language, and we want to make sure that we provide off, you know, resources or other opportunities for them as their children are getting older. But I would say that our primary role is to make sure that we provide an immersion experience for their children because that's what parents chose for for their children to learn through that lens of language. I also want to add a little bit about the language experience of some of the children that do come into our program because of the interest that their parents have had in the past who have taken probably perhaps high school Ojibwe classes or even college classes and then had children and decided, you know, we are going to put our children in an Ojibwe immersion school. So those we have those kinds of parents as well, too, who have that pre-experience with, with language. The Students that are in the program now, are they um, mostly uh, Ojibwe? Are, are there some Caucasian, I guess for lack of a better phrase, some Caucasian kids that are in the class as well that their parents wanted them to, to learn something about Ojibwe culture and language? Or is it mostly Native? How does the classroom break down the, the kids in the program so far? Currently, I know that we have 47 students, um, K-3, I do know that over half of our students are American Indian, mm-hmm. and the rest would be non, non-American non Indian students, mm-hmm. but over half of our students are American Indian. Um, you know, I've, I worked at the University of Minnesota at the Languageness. Our composition of Native American students or students of Native American descent as opposed to non-Native students was roughly around 60-40. And I think we, we at Mesabicum, we, we mirror that. Those are the statistics in most immersion language programs in the world. So we are exactly the same composition of demographics in in that area, in that regard. However, our our focus is on the language. That's our primary foundational driving force behind what we do. Does the program recommend that students enter at the kindergarten level, or is it okay for them to join at a later age, or is it really recommended that they start from the beginning? Ideally, we'd like to have... uh, a feeder program for our kindergarten. So we we would probably, for future long-term goals, we, we probably want to have a birth to pre-K program that would essentially feed into our kindergarten level hmm. program. So there would be a continuation from birth to, I want to say, 20. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully to, to 90. If we're yeah. right. so, <laughs> there's a long-held wisdom um, that I've heard since I was a child that uh, learning a new language is much easier at a younger age, that language is much more malleable for younger minds. Because, Gordon, I know you've taught at the college level who maybe hadn't studied that language before. 
Do you find that with children it's easier for them to pick it up? I've been taking a lot of higher education classes, and I do understand that indigenous understanding of uh, learning and, and knowledge is totally different from Western academic thought. So um, I purely want to answer your question from a, an indigenous perspective. Yeah. And, and that is, uh, for us, our language, we start learning before conception. It's a very, very long journey for us to gain everything that we need to know about what our language encompasses. We are born into this world, and it takes us a whole lifetime to learn, the maybe not even the entire language. But understanding also that we have different uh, ways of, of learning, modes of learning, and that we are eventually going to learn most of it at some point in time. So our, my expectation from an indigenous perspective is it's okay if somebody doesn't pick it up right away. They may pick up parts, and that's the beauty of, of understanding things from an indigenous perspective is even as we sit here, there's three of us here, we will understand things in three different ways. Yeah. But collectively, we, we are in a good position to be able to uh, come together and compose some kind of understanding of what that knowledge would look like. Right. This is Ojibwe Stories, Gaganunidida, a program of Ojibwe culture. Our guests today are Edie Howes, the coordinator of American Indian Education for ISD 709 in Duluth, and Gordon Jourdain, the lead teacher of Misibekang, the Ojibwe Language Immersion Program at Lowell Elementary School. Tell us about the, the teachers in the program. Um, Gordon, you, you've been speaking the language since you were a child. Are the other teachers all experienced with the language from a young age, or are some of them are beginning to learn it at an older age? Initially, like like you say, Chris, I was the, the primary instructor for Misabikung, and I, yes, I am a first language Ojibwe speaker. Over the years that I've been down here in Minnesota and Wisconsin, I've been involved with uh, teaching younger adults uh, Ojibwe language through a Fond du Lac Tribal Community College. I've been doing that probably like seven or eight years now, and finally we have promoted somebody to have her own classroom now oh. because now she has the ability to be on her own and teach for us. And this year we also have a another first language speaker who is a licensed teacher for our second and third year classroom. So she has an assistant teacher with her that she is essentially teaching the sound of the Ojibwe when in its natural delivery. And I have an assistant teacher in my class too. So we're continuously building capacity so that we are more sustainable now and, and into the future. Um, tell us a little bit, Gordon, how this immersion program works. Um, I've heard of some language immersion programs where strictly from day one, no English is spoken in the classroom. Is that the case here? Is it, is it completely in the Ojibwe language from day one? I want to say we, want, we are probably around 80, 90% Ojibwe and, and uh, 20 to, or 10 to 20% uh, English. Mm -hmm. I'm a storyteller. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to school, I didn't speak English. So I cried because I didn't understand my teacher. Mm. And I would, I would uh, hate for that to happen to my students when they come into my class. So, mm. I I kind of ease them into into that ratio, though. It may at the beginning of the year it may be fifty fifty, but we 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 do eventually in about eight weeks go into a ninety ten percent mode. Yeah. In what ways does this program parallel or handle the teaching of? what might be considered core ideas of elementary teaching, mathematics and science and so forth? 
Ojibwe is a is a beautiful language. All the words that are are used are descriptive and action oriented, and in those words are contained, you know, the science and astrology, biology, geology. In almost every word, it describes what is happening. So when you say like "iskigamisige," um, which is boiling down liquid, evaporating the liquid. And we do that during a certain time of moon in, in our cycle of moons. Our curriculum is driven by our grandmother, the moon. It is the one that has always historically driven us as Ojibwe people. She is our teacher, and uh, that's our curriculum. That's, that's what we go by. There's 13 moons in, in the cycle of a year, and that is what determines what we are going to be talking about in, in science, in, in mathematics, in social studies, in everything that we do with, with our programming within the school and outside the school, and uh, the information that we give the parents to. Hmm. Other cultural topics that are introduced, topics about foods, the music, is there drumming in the classroom, is there singing, is there cultural study of lifestyles, of homes, of art? Subjects like art and, and uh, phys ed and... Uh, Music are separate. They're, they're taught by, by specialists. They're not in Ojibwe. But I'm, I'm speaking strictly for what I do in my classroom. I, I like to spend a lot of time outside. I, I feel like nature and indigenous education coexist. They, they have to be together. We, we can't be inside a little room like this and expect to teach uh, Ojibwe abstractly. We have to be actually experiencing it or living it in context to be able to teach somebody what the words mean in Ojibwe. Mm. Does that mean you go on many field trips or are you just merely going outside oh, the building? I'm outside and looking? all the time. Okay, so you're, looking, you're outside the school building in, <laughs> yep. the, in the playground, the woods next the to the, woods, the yeah. building? In the yeah. woods, building, building with things, looking at Birch Park, looking at how birds build their shelters, looking at the signs in the snow, what has happened, what is written in the freshly fallen snow. Those kinds of things. And awareness with all of your sensibilities, developing that kind of a holistic educational experience for them. Given the sad history of the suppression of Ojibwe language and other indigenous languages in this part of the world in the last century or two, I'm curious to know if there's an underlying feeling of urgency of the sustaining and expanding of this language through teaching it in the schools. Is that a true assumption on my part? I would have to say within Duluth Public Schools when they were talking about starting immersion as an attractor for our district, we brought it to their attention, uh, the history of, of the land that the school district is on and the significance of who was here and who is still here today, which I'm talking about Ojibwe people. Mm -hmm. And so when they were looking at what languages to focus on for immersion, just being able to teach and educate them about the history of Duluth, we thought it would be important to start with Ojibwe because, of, like I said, the history of, of the area. And that also, I believe, shows the importance and the significance of our language and we need to be able to be in a point in our lives to all figure out that we all have our language inside of us. And it's a time for us to, if you want to call it revitalization or whatever, it, but in this day and age is the time for us to begin to bring that language out and use it and show our young people that this is what we need to do. And so when people talk about language revitalization and the urgency of it, 
I look at it in a different perspective. I look at it like we have our language inside of us. It's just now is an opportune time as yesterday and weeks ago that we need to start utilizing it and using it the way that it was meant to be used. We don't look at it as something that is not a living thing. It is a part of us and we need to take care of it. I want to answer your question from an indigenous perspective. The language has never been lost in my family. And uh, there's no revitalization effort going on. So uh, depending on from what lens you're looking at and describing what who I am intrinsically, and that's historically been a way of looking at different indigenous populations is somebody comes in that is not aware of what they're looking at, but yet what their opinion is this in describing who what this condition is is accepted more than what my perspective would be about this so hmm. there's there's like a, an assertion in your question i'm super excited about our program i'm super excited about what the kids are doing i don't feel that there's any kind of burden associated I'm happy with the results that are happening with, with yeah. Ms. Abikung. I'm really super excited about it. And that's the way I would describe it. This is Ojibwe Stories, Gaganuni Dida, a program of Ojibwe culture. Our guests today are Edie Howes, the coordinator of American Indian Education for IST 709 in Duluth, and Gordon Jourdain, the lead teacher of Misabikung, the Ojibwe Language Immersion Program at Lowell Elementary School. How is spirituality discussed in the classroom? The, the spirituality of, of not only the words, the, the cultural impact of words and how they describe things, but also the spirituality. Is that part of the topics that you work on? In the classroom, I don't... Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a delicate balance in... Uh, of course, bo both uh, Bine Sik and I are, are really deep into our, our ceremonial lodges, and those are our traditional teaching places. And they were in place long before anybody got lost and, sh and shoot up here. We still have those, and we, we maintain those teachings within those lodges. Our greatest teachers are the ones who are sitting in the lodge, our, our elders, our, our, our women, our grandmothers, and the people who still remember teaching in the lodges in the language. There's a delicate balance in being able to uh, have that, indigenous teachings plus an academic teaching as well as as a licensed teacher we are lucky to be, have a foot in each place and to be able to make a bridge in those yet maintaining a balance that you you don't go just too far about with talking about that may upset somebody else mm -hmm. right in in the teachings of our lodges they always start out with everybody's story is true and that's the way that I teach my children. If my children start to talk about dreams and spirits, that's what they want to talk about, and that's what that's what we do. We don't shun them from talking about that because I have dreams too, and I know that we have multiple spirits. You had mentioned earlier, Edie, that the classroom has children of other backgrounds as well. Because the language and the culture are very wedded to each other, how do you approach activities, the meaning and the understanding of what the language and the culture are saying and those who say come from another background who are in the classroom as well, trying to uh, surround them all with the same cultural understanding? How are the cross-cultural bonds created? 
I feel like when our families choose for their children to come into Masabe Kong, like Maji was saying, we have the understanding of they're coming to our program and their stories are all true. And so with that understanding, when it comes to maybe some of the cross-cultural things that come up, I feel like a lot of our families are really open and I feel like our staff are open, so there's not a whole lot of confusion. Our families are comfortable with us. We're like a family within ourselves. And so when you have a strong family like that, there's always conversation. There's always questioning, you know, questions, uh, open questions. I feel like it's a, a safe place for everyone. When it comes to cross-cultural opportunities, if they don't understand anything or if they don't maybe understand what's going on, we'll explain or they will ask us and there's no shame in it at all. In my understanding, and this is strictly from our teachings in the lodge as well, is that all the different shades of humanity were created at the same time. So I know that we're all related to one another. And that is the idea, the underlying um, principle behind how I relate with the children and how I want them to relate to one another. To learn diversity at a young age is going to be a powerful experience for them. Hmm. We talked about the structural hope for the success of the program, continuing on to an older age. What are the long-term goals for, I guess, for any immersion program, but for this program in particular, do you have an ideal outcome for the students as they grow? From an educational perspective, um, when we first started Masami Kong, we did say that we wanted to develop a K-5 Ojibwe immersion program. And as we started getting older, we would begin to have those conversations of what's next. And I feel like those conversations are still brand new. And so we all have goals of where we want our children to end up and I think personally is just the continual usage of our language and learning every single day right now this year is an amazing goal for me is just to continue with this year and learning with the with the teachers that we do have. But from an educational perspective, yes, we do look forward to, you know, what's next after fifth grade and those conversations are happening at not only within our program but at the level of administration within Duluth Public Schools. I feel like the momentum is is there. It's, it's, just, it's just gathering. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not going to stop going. It's not going to stop moving. What I'm talking about is achievement gap. There is a, a big problem with achievement gap for Native Americans. And immersion programs, particularly Ojibwe programs, are going to help in the long run. It's, it's, it's a long-term investment for any district to be uh, funding programs like, like ours or any other language for, for that matter. And another example that I, I want to, something that I'm really excited about also is I've been doing some work for the Minnesota Department of Education, developing a SEALS assessment for high school uh, Ojibwe language learners. They're going to be able to get a SEAL on their, on their graduation diploma for taking languages and passing this test. And in the long run, they won't have to borrow that much money creating a burden on, on, on the government of the United States to give them student loans. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, everybody has student loans. They, they won't have to take out that chunk of money to get a credit on, on a language, on a foreign language. 
in the future. So long term, it pays off. Is it open to only students in ISD 709 in, that, in the district, or are there students from outside the district that come in to attend the school? Um, we are what we call open enrollment option, and which means any student in Duluth Public Schools, they can apply to come to our program. We also do have students from um, Proctor, um, Cloquet, Fond du Lac, and they're, they're also... Um, welcome to come to the program as well. So it's not strictly just for Duluth Public Schools students and families. We've attracted some students from Ontario, Canada. In the past, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's great. Isn't it amazing to be able to look at something with multiple lenses? I think sometimes public education wants to teach everybody the same way. And that's impossible. And it's 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 been proven over the over the centuries that ever since uh, the beginning of of educa- the Western academics that there's not one way to teach everybody. And indigenous uh, education is an, just another alternative way for uh, parents to uh, have their students or their children be immersed in and. I want to say, and I don't want to put any words in the mouths of, of, of our parents, but those are the kinds of choices they must have had to look at for them to decide, hey, you know what, I'm I'm going to take a chance on this. Maybe that was not the right choice of words that they used, but we're going to put them in Ojibwe immersion. And I also uh, want to just make a comment on what Benesi Kwe said, and that is... Uh, we were the first uh, immersion program that Duluth Public School has invested some money in. I I, I, wa- I want to say that because that's what I believe it is. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm not maybe I'm incorrect in that assumption, but because of our successes and because we've been here the longest, another program started, and that that is the Spanish. Immersion program. We, I'm, I'm so happy that we we were the spearhead in in creating that that mm-hmm. possibility to happen for our district. And maybe there's there's more things, other languages in in the future. I'm really proud that we were the first ones to do that. You should be absolutely. Very glad to have you both here. We really appreciate your time. And 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 it sounds like the the success of the program is is growing. And uh, and hopefully we'll continue to to share with all these students, the wonderful things you do. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our guests, Edie Howes, Coordinator of American Indian Education for ISD 709, and Gordon Jourdain, the Misabikang Lead Teacher at Lowell Elementary School. To listen again to past episodes of Ojibwe Stories, click on the Programs tab at kumd.org. Funding provided in part by the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council and by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. 